Well, good morning. <laughs> okay, today's sermon will be the third part to John Wesley's sermon on the way of salvation. And today's title is titled uh, The One Thing Needful. This title is taken from the 10th chapter in the Gospel of Luke, beginning from verse 38 to 42. And well, if you know, this is a story of Martha and Mary. And it reads, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. King James Version would read as one thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your words. And I pray, dear Lord, that you bless my lips to be able to share your word and my heart to be able to touch hearts. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Wesley began his introduction to this sermon by saying this. Say that, could we suppose an intelligent being entirely a stranger to take the state of this world and its inhabitants to take a view of their various enterprises and employments and form their conjecture the end of their existence. He will surely conclude that these creatures were designed to visit about many things. Chima. <laughs> well, okay, if you do not understand what's being said, basically, if we think that we are intelligent beings who can understand the world and the people in it, by using our own worldly knowledge and abilities, by using our incomplete and finite knowledge to conclude and decide on what really is important. Wesley said that we are mere strangers to God's work. We do not know what we are saying. You see, God's plans are far from our plans. God's focus is different from ours. Taking the story of Martha and Mary as example, you know, Martha concluded in her own perception a few matters. Firstly, serving is more important than sitting at the feet of Jesus to listen to his teaching. While Mary sat at the feet of the Lord to listen, Martha was busying herself around the house and you know, probably glancing occasionally at Mary and Jesus in disgust. Did Mary look at them in disgust? Well, perhaps she did. I believe Martha even considered the Lord's teaching should take a lower priority to serving. Well, this evidence can be found when Martha questioned our Lord Jesus. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. This sentence harbored many other conditions. You see, Martha's questioning of Jesus was perhaps a rhetorical rebuke. She could, have, she could have meant, 
Why are you teaching Mary now? There is much work to be done. Stop teaching so that I can get her to help me. You know, by asking Jesus to get her sister to help her with the chores, Martha was also telling Jesus to stop teaching as Mary was the only audience Jesus had in her house. Whereas Martha had considered Jesus' teaching as secondary to serving. Perhaps Martha has considered sitting at Jesus' feet a lower priority to serving. Hence, she could have been disgusted when Mary was being held up by Jesus. In her mind, Mary was distracted by Jesus. However, we all know that the person who was really distracted was Martha. In Martha's mind, the one thing needful is serving. The passage mentioned that Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was a person being distracted from the one thing needful. Well, therefore, serving was the external symptom of Martha. You know, being busy and always doing something around the house. But what is the internal issue of Martha? The internal issue was actually distraction. Martha was easily distracted. But what were the cause of her distractions? What were the cause of her distractions? Jesus amazingly pinpointed Martha's condition in just one sentence. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and and troubled about many things. Many of us are like Martha. We are anxious and troubled about many things in our lives. Our career, our family, sometimes even planning for our destination for our holiday can also become an anxious and troubling event. Are you often anxious and troubled? Well, perhaps the best person you can ask is the person beside your spouse, your parents, children, or even a good friend. You know, Jesus went on to say, but one thing is necessary or one thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken taken away from her. And what is that good portion? What is that one thing needful? Wesley's first point would be the recovery of the image of God. And that was what Wesley had written. And he said, Now this great work, this one thing needful, is the renewal of our fallen nature. In the image of God was man-made, but a little lower than the angels. God's nature was perfect, angelical, divine. He was the incorruptible picture of the God of glory. He bore his stem on every part of his soul. The brightness of his creator shone, shone mountily upon him. But sin has now effaced the image of God. He is no longer nearly allied to angels. He has sung lower than the very beasts of the field. His soul is only earthly and sensual, but devilish. This is the mighty fallen. The glory is departed from him. His brightness is swallowed up in utter darkness. How can we recover the image of God in us? Maybe we should first ask, how can we depart from our sinful nature? And how can we steer away from darkness into and move into brightness? What should we do 
The same, thing, the, thing, the same theme continues to resound and repeat. No, we need to be born again. We need to be formed anew after the likeness of our Creator. As Pastor Anthony had mentioned in his previous two sermons, being born again is the key to departing from our sinful nature. Therefore, the recovery of the image of God in us involves departing from our sinful nature. We need to find our first image, the first estate that we once belonged to. Wesley considered the recovery of the image of God in us the recovery of our first estate. Now, I believe most of, us, most of us have fond memories of our first estate, our first house. Many of us should remember the first house that we lived in and when we were a child. We have fond memories of our families and friends, the fun that we had in our, in our first estate um, that we once lived in. No, it remains vividly clear in our minds. You know, you know I, I personally remember the names of my primary school friends better than my secondary school friends, even though you know, the, the, the dates are further back. Or perhaps the memories of the people and infrastructure of the first church that we once stepped in. Our first estate bears much importance. And in fact, some of us may identify ourselves best with the first estate. It becomes our identity. You know, when someone asks us you know, about our school, where, 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 where did we come from? Which school did we, did we go to? The school that we identify ourselves with, that is the school that we have placed our image in. Our first estate becomes an image that we assimilate with, an image that we want to be referred to. And what is the one thing needful that we need to recover from our first estate? We need to identify ourselves with God. We need to recover the image of God in us. And why is the recovery of the image of God in us the one thing needful? Wesley wrote, For to, for to this end was man created, to love God, and to this end alone, even to love the Lord his God with all his heart and soul and mind and strength. But love is the very image of God. It is the brightness of His glory. And by love, man is not only made like God, but in some sense, one with Him. If any man loves God, God loves him and comes to him and makes him a boat with him. He dwells in God and God in him. And he that is joined to the Lord is one in spirit. Love is perfect freedom, as there is no fear or pain, so there is no constraint in love. The one thing, well, the one thing needful for us as creation of God is love. We are to love God, because the image of God is love. And by loving God, it reveals that we are one with God. We live with God, and we are with God in one spirit. You know, Wesley went on to say, whoever acts from this principle alone, he does whatever he, he will. As all his thoughts move freely, they follow the bent of his own mind. They run after the beloved object. All his words flow easily and unconstrained, for it is the abundance of the heart that dictates. 
all his actions are the result of pure choice. The thing he would, that he does, and that only. Love is the health of the soul. The full exertion of all its power, the perfection of all its faculties. Therefore, since the enjoyment of this was the one end of our creation, the recovery of them is the one thing needful. Therefore, the one thing needful for us as a created being is firstly to love God. We cannot recover the image of God without love. Love is the first recovery. We have to recover that first love. From the story of Martha and Mary, Martha must first love God and not love serving. There's nothing wrong with serving. However, serving must not precede sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's need for serving must not distract her from her love for God. Martha must learn to put aside her need to serve and simply sit at the feet of Jesus to quieten herself and listen to Jesus. If we love God, we will take time to sit at Jesus' feet. We will take time to pray. Have you taken time to listen to God? Do you love God? If you really love God, you will take time to sit at His feet. To listen to Him. The second point to the recovery of the image of God in us is that we need to understand our, our, our redemption or Christ's redemptive act for us. You know, Wesley said it very well and he states this, okay, that uh, this is the one end of our redemption. Of all our blessed Lord did and suffer for us in his incarnation, his life, his death. All these miracles of love were wrought with no other view than to restore us to health and freedom. This he himself testifies to the end of his coming into the world. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, or as the prophet expresses it, to preach good tidings to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. For this only he lived, that he might heal every disease, every spiritual sickness of our nature. For this only he died, that he might deliver those who were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Therefore, this being the one end of our redemption as well as our creation, is the one thing needful for us upon earth. The one thing needful for us is to recognize that Christ's death for our sins was simply to restore us because the perusia or His second coming is imminent and so will be the end of the world. The judgment day also approaches. Hence, there is a great need for all of us to be delivered, to be redeemed. You know, for Martha to understand about the need to be redeemed, and that she cannot save herself by her hard work, by her good service, by her conscientious care of her guests, and by her good provision for her guests. She needs to sit down and listen to Jesus, to understand what Jesus was trying to tell her, was trying to reveal to her, that Jesus was here to redeem us. Therefore, for the recovery of the image of God in us, 
we need to understand why God has to redeem us, why Jesus died for our sins. God loves us, and in order for us to recover the image of God in us, we have to recognize and receive that we need to be redeemed. And God redeemed us because He loves us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Another point that we need to comprehend in the recovery of God's image is the understanding of God's providence. Wesley, Wesley wrote it very well, and I do not want to miss out. You know, this is a real gem here. Uh, he states, this is the one thing needful, thirdly, because it is the one end of all God's providential dispensation. Pleasure, pain, health, sickness, riches, poverty, honour, dishonour, friends, enemies are all bestowed by His unerring wisdom and goodness with a view of one thing. The will of God is allotting us our several portions of all this. It's solely our sanctification or recovery from the vile bondage the love of His creatures to the free love of our Creator. In short, the good events and the bad events that we experience in our lives are meant for one thing, to recover us to the image of God. You know, Wesley went on to explain what are these events for. All this providence, be they mild or severe, point at no other than this. They are designed either to win us from what is not or to unite us to what is worthy our affection are they pleasing they're designed to lift our hearts to the parent of all good are they painful they are, then they are meant of rooting us of those passions and that forcibly withhold us to him from him so that all leads that same way either directly or indirectly either by gratitude or mortification you know this is really so well written. Okay? I, 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 I have no other ways of rephrasing it. But to attempt to, I will want to do is that I will emphasize it further. That these events that we go through in our lives are designed to win us okay, or from areas that we hold too dearly, that we cannot let go, areas that we, we need to be cut off, areas that we need to reduce, areas that we need totally to eradicate. And one of it is definitely sin. Sin is something that we must be broken off from. Are these events also meant to unite us to God? You know, when we go through trials in our lives, the events are meant to steer us to turn toward God. Through history and scriptures, we learn that when times are good, we forget God. And we move away from His image. The trials, however, help us to focus back, help us to look to fix our eyes on, on God again. You know, Martha needed to focus in God. But did Martha understood Lazarus' death, his brother's death? You know, I preached on this topic not too long ago. You know, Martha's response revealed that she did not fully understand, understood that Jesus is able to redeem all of us. And what was Martha's response when Jesus asked for the tombstone of Lazarus' grave to be removed? Martha said, But Lord, by this time, there is a bad odor, 
for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? The fact that Martha was concerned about the non-essentials like the smell and not on an important event, that Jesus was about to raise Lazarus to life, this revealed her lack of belief of who Jesus really is and why was Jesus there and why even did Lazarus had to die. She did not understand of Christ's redemptive work. The raising of Lazarus was a prelude of Jesus' Jesus' own resurrection. If Jesus did not rise, we will not be redeemed. Martha also did not understand that the events in her life, whether good or bad, are meant for one thing, to draw her closer to God. The events are meant to reveal the love of God, to help us understand the need of Christ's redemptive work in our lives, and to understand that these events that God has placed in our life are meant to sanctify us. There's another person that's very important in this one thing needful. And the recovery of the image of God requires one very important person, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can influence us to experience joy and at times sorrow of heart. Sometimes it allows us to sink into numbness of our soul or even dryness and heaviness. But all these are for the same purpose, similar to the providential dispensation. It is meant to restore us. It is meant to liberate us. It is meant to recover us to the image of God. The Holy Spirit is the internal dispensation from God. But God has also provided us provided us the Word of God as our daily bread. And that is the external dispensation okay, from God, as termed by Wesley. So therefore, with both the external dispensation and the internal dispensation of God, Wesley stated very clearly, they are given together. Okay, so... What I'm trying to say is this, that we need both the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. We need both to work to be together. Some of us tend to focus just on one and we neglect the other. We become either very, so, no, the term, spirit-led. Or the other way around, we become too focused just on the study of the Word. We actually need both. We need both. Because it comes in together, as mentioned by Wesley. They are given to, together and not just one or the other. Both will nourish our soul, recover our love for God, and remind us of His love for us. Therefore, the recovery of the image of of God in us requires the work of the Holy Spirit. We, We can't do it alone. We need God. We need the work of the Holy Spirit to help us to recover the image of God. But how does the recovery of the image of God help us? And this will lead us to the third point. The recovery helps us to learn to glorify God and to exalt Him. The recovery of the image of God within us awakens us from death or from the dead. What are the deaths of the world? The death of lustful desires, lustful wealth, the death of acquiring great honour, the death of gaining great learning, All this takes away our focus from the one thing needful, 
the need to give glory back to God. You know, when we gain much knowledge, much wealth, much possession, what has it done to our soul? No, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy, knowledgeable, or have great possession. However, have any of this taken away the glory that God deserves? Did any of this prevent us from glorifying God? The recovery of the image of God helps us to keep our focus on God. We are to be single-minded in this focus. Being single-minded, you know, in our current context uh, seems to be a negative connotation. Uh. You know, as we applaud multitasking and the, and the ability to be multi-talented. But in, re- in regards to the fixing of our eyes and thoughts on, in God, Wesley promoted the need to be single-minded, to first focus on God. Let us not be too overly focused you know, on acquiring of the other abilities. For God can grant them to us. But we must first fix our eyes on Jesus. We must first fix our eyes on Him and not on the other things. The other things will come along. And finally, the recovery of the image of God aid us to be single-hearted for God. That we will be so careful to guard our soul from being double-minded in our intentions. There should be no other there should only be one divine intention, and that is to shine for God. And that is the chief end of man, that we are to glorify God. There should be no double-minded. We should not have other intentions, other agendas. We should only have one, and that is to have the image of God in us. The one thing needful is simple. The recovery of the image of God in us so that we will love God and we will understand that God loves us. The recovery of the image of God in us helps us to also understand that we need to be redeemed. And the recovery of the image of God in us helps us also to understand that events in our life are meant to draw us near, nearer to God. And the recovery of the image of God in us, with the help of the Holy Spirit, Amen. To teach us how to exhort and glorify God. This is the good portion that will not be taken away from Mary. This is the good portion that we should be focusing on. And this is the good portion that we should be seeking. Do you want that good portion? That good portion that will never leave us that good portion that will remain in us for eternity is the image of God in us. And this is the good portion that we should be seeking. And this is the good portion that we should be having. Let us pray. Lord, I, I pray that teach us, dear Lord, to fix our eyes on you. You have given us the good portion, but we have turned our eyes away from the good portion. We have turned our eyes away to look at other matters, other things, to look at wealth, glory, to look at other things of the world that are beautiful. But let us fix our eyes on you because you have provided us a good portion. 
and let us look at you earnestly with love and look, let us look at you earnestly to seek your glory. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The hymn of dedication today is taken from UMH 505. It's a, it's a very new song. You know, just try to follow along with us. It's a very beautiful song that speaks about, you know, about us. That's why I chose this song. It's very rich in, the, in its lyrics. Please stand. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. For your great love that you sent your son Jesus Christ, your beloved Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. And that you sent and gave us the Holy Spirit to continue in that work. So truly, with the, with the love of God and the sacrifice of the Son, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with us, you'll be in us and with us forevermore. Amen.